My name is Art Ortsman. I'm the newest elder, but not the youngest. In fact, if it wasn't for great, great, great grandpa Fred, I would be the oldest. Seventh. And um, what you said to me on the phone was one of the most important parts of your ministry is with PAC. Now, I don't think many people know what PAC is. So would you tell us about PAC and also how that has influenced your life? Okay, so Life Pack meets on Wednesdays almost every uh, week of the year. And it's just kind of our, you know how seven days a week, it can really drag you down. So Wednesday is in the middle. So Life Pack's always in the middle. And that's just something you go to your leader's house and they pray with you and they teach you. And it's just something that will bring your spirits up and our motto is kind of what goes in life pack stays in life pack so if you have something that's really bugging you it'll stay there and um you know that the other girls your age who are in your life pack will be praying for you all week and it's just something it's it's just kind of something that springs you back up you will enjoy this next question because uh, i know what she's going to answer so what's one of the highlights of your year, two years, and being in the youth ministry. Okay, this has to definitely be wet and messy. So wet and messy is just something that kind of kicks off the year, and it's where you go with all your friends and stuff um, at the beginning of the year, and um, you get covered in mud, shaving cream, jello, and just about anything you can imagine that won't, like, get in your eyes. And, um, it, and, it'll, and you'll remember it for months to come because everything will still be stuck in your hair. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, it's it's just something that will bring you up if you're just feeling down. That's just so exciting to think about being a part of that, isn't it? It's just wonderful. So where's the Lord teaching you and your learning and your faith? Well, um, I go to a school where there's a lot of richer kids, and um, they judge you a lot, and you just it's kind of almost contagious. So I, I I judge people a lot, and um, in Life Pack we've been learning about judging people, and um. Instead of judging them, we've been learning to get to know them, you know, open up their cover a little bit, you know, read their pages before we just, like, slam it shut and just discard them. We just and don't do that after, but, um, <laughs> but that's just kind of how it goes. Thank you. Thank you. Are you going to stay up with us this time or are you going to go sit down? Uh, this The first service she sat down. Oh, good. You're going to save. All right. Come to the back. Oh, Dane. You've been with us in the youth ministry for three years. What was it like to be the new kid? Well, uh, coming to a new church, uh, it was very open and welcoming. There were kids in the youth ministry, such as Danny, who uh, they'd never met me before, and they just opened up and started talking to me, chatting with me, as if we'd been friends for months. And uh, just after going there, I... I've felt so comfortable being in a new environment. So where is the Lord teaching you these days? Well, I come from a family of two religions. My mom is Mormon, my dad's Christian. And uh, I've been told two different stories my whole life, on and off. And I never knew really which to believe. And, uh, well, my dad's, my dad's really helped me along with this. But... I think I'm just learning to uh, just trust in God and let him show me what the true word is. 
And one of the highlights that you spoke about was uh, in the last three years was going on retreats or you know, summer uh, trips and the, that kind of thing. What's the highlight of that part for you? Well, I've been to two staycations, two winter camps, and a summer camp. And uh, it's just there, each time I go, it's all new experiences. And it, it, they're, all, they're all touching every day that I go to them. Great, thanks. I'm going to have you come up here, would you? Yeah, yeah. So he made the mention of a word called uh, stay vacation, staycation. And, and I know, Ashley, you're a part of that. So we need to know what staycation is and what your involvement is in that. Okay, so, well, the staycation is an in-town mission we put on for our senior high students. Um, specifically targeting homeless homelessness, but a little bit deeper than that, it kind of shows students how they can still be an, a missionary without leaving the comfort of their own hometown. So um, we work with shelters like um, the Rescue Mission, River of Life, City Light, and um, we'll actually go out and talk to homeless people just to kind of um, work God's ministry and still keep it local. So it's kind of unique because you're a junior in high school, and you're also a leader in the youth in terms of uh, ministering to sixth grade girls. So what's that like for yourself? This is probably like the fav my favorite part of working youth ministry is definitely working with my sixth grade girls because it's, um, it's really expanded my faith because although I feel very underqualified for what I do because I'm like still in high school, I'm kind of still lacking those life experiences that a lot of the other leaders have. I know that if I just put my trust in God, that he will um, be able to use me as like a, a vessel to still help these girls. So. And, and we know that uh, there was a little survey done or they, the girls were talking about uh, the influence in their life and who they can trust and who could they, they can look up to. And, and you and, uh, and uh, Sinji, your name was mentioned. Mm -hmm. How'd that make you feel? Um, that was probably the highlight of this year for me because it kind of um, lent a physical aspect to the fact that I actually am getting to help these girls by just seeing them for a couple hours every week. So, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. Guess who's next? Yeah, you. <laughs> I forgot to ask him um, when I was talking on the telephone as to what high school he went to, but I don't have to. <laughs> Is it junior in high school? Oh, good, 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 yes. So tell me about what you do in the high school level. Tell me about what your, what your activities are. Um, I, I'd like to think that I'm, I'm highly involved in my high school, but I'm sure I'm not the most involved. I, I go to a rather high-achieving school. But I am involved in the orchestra. I, I take French class. I'm involved in French club, which is an extracurricular centered around French class. Um, I am in honor society and I play tennis. Yeah, yeah. Now, I didn't ask you this ahead of time, but I noticed when you came in at uh, break time, there was a lot of guys just around you, and there was a lot of hugs going on. There's something about that. Yeah. What's going on with that? Well, I'd, I'd say that uh, the, uh, the youth minister here at Cole is just wonderful. All the guys have adopted this mindset that this is a place to be welcoming and just to accept people in. As Dane said earlier, uh, he came in a couple years ago and everybody, as he, he wasn't exaggerating, everybody just 
welcoming him in, and uh, he just instantly became a part of our group. And and then where's the Lord teaching you? Where's he working with you now? Um, I'd say that the Lord is really helping me to transfer that mindset that we use here um, in, in life packs. I think life packs are invaluable. Uh, we as high schoolers are all going through one of the worst scourges known to mankind, which is public schooling. Um, and being in that community of um, people who are your age, they're going through the same things as you are, you can just open up and share your experiences and not be worried about being rejected or any of those other fears that you encounter in uh, real life. So I'd say that uh, the Lord is really helping me to transfer some of those some of those feelings, how I treat people here at Cole, I can I can start to embody that uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and I can just share that with other people that I know outside of the church. Thank you. Thank you. Cindy. Cindy has been a youth leader now for a year. What in the world got you started in that? Well, first of all, I asked my daughter for permission to be in life, a life pack leader, and she actually said yes. And it's been a few years since I've been that young, so I'm really fortunate that I actually co-lead with Allison Porter, so the girls can really relate to one of the younger gals on our team, and that's really nice. But the main thing I wanted to do was be available, and it was kind of an intentional decision. I wouldn't say the Lord called me into it. I just thought, you know, the next three of ju- years of junior high, the next four years of high school, if I wanted to invest in her life and in the lives of others um, in this age group, this was the time to take time to do it. So tell us where the Lord is touching your life and teaching and growing you. Like Allison, I do feel inadequate to lead these girls. I mean, I know I have a lot of life experiences, but will they listen or hear from me? So I'm just trusting the Lord to equip me for what he calls me to do and to be available. Can you imagine how excited I am to be an elder in the youth ministry and all that the Lord is doing, just to give us a little peek as to what's happening. So when you think about our church, pray for our youth and for our youth leaders, especially pray for Corey. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Okay, so today we're reading from 2 Corinthians 3, uh, the whole chapter. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are a letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, But our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. 
And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who had put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. First service, uh, when people got up front, they got, I was able to say a lot of things about their mistakes, but nothing's really gone wrong this morning with this service, so... Good, good. Thanks. Maybe this is the mistake right here, huh? Yeah, pray for me. Please, please, please. There's a story of a uh, college student who, uh, as he was living living in his dorm, uh, his RA would come and talk to him every every so often about this uh, person named Jesus. And uh, this RA continually pursued this college student and asked him questions about, you know, how did he grow up, where did he go to church when he grew up, or if he went to church. And we continually, over and over again, talked to this kid. And uh, we talked to him about Jesus. He would say things like, Jesus loves you, okay. And he would say things like, uh, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for you. And he would say things like, uh, you need to receive Jesus. And uh, one day this uh, guy walked up to this college student and said, Corey, um, what is it that is keeping you from receiving Jesus? And I told Lee, I said, Lee, I know my life. I I know what I'm involved in. I know the things that I do. They really wouldn't go well in a church. It wouldn't fit. And so Lee, in his wisdom, asked me a question. He said, Corey... Before you take a shower, do you clean yourself up? Like, you know, Lee, that's why I get in the shower. <laughs> he also said that. No. He asked, do you get, do you, what do you do before you get in the shower? And I said, Lee, I don't clean. No, I don't get cleaned up. I just get in the shower. And he said, that's what Jesus is like. You don't clean yourself up. You just get in the shower. And he cleans you up. You see, I grew up in a Catholic church, and uh, I always had this idea. It wasn't really taught to me, but I just eventually thought that uh, all my good things that I did in life, uh, and all my bad things, because I didn't have a lot of bad things, uh, God would take those good things and bad things, and he'd have a big uh, scale. And I always thought it was big. You know, I don't know why I thought it was big, but God has big things. So he would take, he'd need a bigger side for all my good stuff. He just need a little bitty scale for my small stuff. And I think, okay, he's going to measure those, and if the good stuff outweighs the bad stuff, then I'm in. But what Lee told me that day is that, you know what, it's not like that. Because all of your good stuff can never outweigh all your bad stuff. And he said, the weight of your bad stuff will destroy you. And I started to realize that what Lee was talking about was this idea of an old covenant, this old agreement that God had with his people. 
You see, in Romans, it talks about this, uh, this thing called the law or this thing called that we understand bet- things between right and wrong. Uh, in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodlessness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. You see, I believe that every single person in the world has an understanding of right and wrong. They know when they make a mistake. And they know when they do something right. And why is this? Because God created all people in His image. Well, what happens when we understand this law, this thing of right and wrong, and we clearly see what God is about, we clearly see what God, who God is, Romans goes on to say, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through that which has been made, so that they, or us, are without an excuse. And I, when I told Lee that I needed to clean up before I became a Christian, that was evident that I understood the Old Covenant. That was evident that I understood that there are right things and there are wrong things. But what I didn't know is what this Old Covenant did. You see, the Old Covenant that Moses gave to the people in chapter, two, uh, chapter 3 of Second Corinthians says, it is a letter of death written in ink on tablets of stone that this letter kills and that this is a ministry of death engraved on stones, a ministry of condemnation, a ministry that hardens people's minds and a ministry that veils people's hearts. You see, you need to understand what happened with Moses and the people. As God was leading them out of Egypt, out of slavery, to redeem them, to make them free, God said, I'm going to meet you on a mountain. And he goes, I want you to be my people. I want you to come in my presence and enjoy me and delight in me. But you know what? This guy Moses, when he went up on the mountain to talk with God, he took 40 days and 40 nights. Who takes that long? Come on! And the people were down there going, this guy's taking a little bit longer than we thought. Hey, Aaron, you know when he's coming down? Aaron, can, can you make us a God because we don't like this waiting around thing. We want a God of our own. And so Aaron gathered the people, said, if you have any gold, uh, we're going to make a, a calf out of gold. And so what they did is they started worshiping this calf. And then Moses comes down with, from the mountain with these two tablets that God had written on. And he comes down and he sees what's going on and he breaks the tablets comes down and rebukes Aaron for what he's doing. He takes the calf and he grinds it up and he pours it into a drink and makes a bunch of people drink it and 3,000 people die that day. That's the ministry of the Old Covenant. That's a fear of God. When you mess with God, that's a fearful thing. And so the people said, we have sinned. We want to be God's people. So, God, so Moses went back to spend some time with God. Yet this time when he came back, the scriptures say that his face glowed. His face showed. His face radiated. And when the people saw it, they were 
scared. They were afraid. Why? They just saw 3,000 people die. They were afraid because, oh my gosh, this guy just spent time with God and he's glowing. And who are we? So what Moses did is that he took this veil and he put it over his face so that, he, so that the people wouldn't be afraid, so that he could interact with the people. This guy Moses would go spend time outside of the camp with God in a tent called the Tent of Meetings. Well, it's a little tent, actually. get that later in the Old Testament. And Joshua, his buddy, was out there with him. And when he would come out of the tent, he would glow because he was with God. He'd go to the people, put on a veil so that they wouldn't be afraid, and he would tell them what God said. How many of you guys realize that you know you're able to determine what's good and bad? Who can, who can do that? A couple of you? Okay. Yeah, we're created that way. But what happens is that we read this old covenant to each other. We read this idea of right and wrong. Let me just read a few things to you. For even though, this is out of Romans again, for even though they knew God, they did not honor Him or give Him thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over. You know, God tells us that if we want something bad enough, go ahead. You really want that? Go ahead. But thanks be to God that he's given us a new covenant, a different covenant, a covenant that is so radically different than the old one that shows us something that we've never seen before. You see, Paul says there's a new covenant. You see, the new covenant is a letter of Christ, and Paul cares for it as he cares for the people. It's written with the spirit of the living God. It's written on tablets of human hearts. And this, ta- this letter brings life. This is a ministry of the spirit. This is the ministry of righteousness. When people turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You see, the old covenant came with glory. It was a glorious thing that God would actually speak to his people. But the new covenant that we believe in as followers of Jesus Christ is that you and I are now temples of the Holy Spirit who is God. We are letters of Christ. We are written into by the Holy Spirit. We are written in our human hearts, being letters of life, the ministry of the Spirit. And what happens when we start to experience this new covenant? Very last verse of chapter 3 It says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord the Spirit. And the idea is this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you get a mirror. That's kind of a joke. You should laugh. You don't really get a mirror. Okay? But you get a, a, a way to see the glory of the Lord. But all of us who are followers of Christ, we take this veil off. We're not afraid. We remove the barrier between us and God. And we get to look. We behold 
the image, the glory of God. Just like Moses, when he came to the people, they saw it, but they were afraid. But now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, when you see the glory of the Lord, you give him praise that I get to see you. I get to be with you. I get to be around you. The glorious beauty of God. And what is that? That He is kind, that He is gentle, that He is good, that He is holy, that He is righteous. And that He is working. That He wants to draw people in. To love them. So that they might experience and know the truth about Him. We behold in this mirror the glory of the Lord and we are being transformed into the same image that we see. That doesn't really look like me. But it's beautiful. How many of you guys looked in the mirror and you thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe I look like that? Huh? I get up in the morning and it's like, oh my gosh, I wish I had to wear glasses. But the thing is, with the new covenant, this new agreement that God has with you and I, with the Holy Spirit living in us, is that He will transform us into this image of Him, His glory, His beauty, being transformed into the same image in which we see from glory to glory, or from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. Justice from the Lord, the Spirit. And the Spirit is doing that work. Now, what, is this, what does this mean in our practical day-to-day lives? Well, if you will let me, I would like to f- mess with you a little bit. You see, when I was in college and Lee started sharing things with me about knowing Jesus, he said, Corey, imagine that your life, if you can't see this, I'm sorry, you might want to move on those sides. There's a circle with an upside-down four in it. Um, He said, you see, Corey, people that are without Christ, well, I'll use black. So this is a throne, even though that's really not a throne. It's really a bad picture of a throne. But before Jesus, before we turn to the Lord, we are on the throne of our lives. And I just draw a cross. And Jesus is outside the life. And we think, this is great. I'm on the throne of my life. Things are going well. And then we get people like Lee that come in and mess with us and say, you've got to clean your act up. I can't clean my act up. You're right. What do you got to do? You accept Jesus. And the beauty of this verse is it says, when you and I turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When you and I turn to the Lord, what happens is that Jesus comes into our life and we say, you, Jesus, be on the throne. Now that's great, but is this really how it works? I mean, think about it. Let me get my other piece of paper here. I mean, think about it. Jesus being on the throne of our lives. What about, what about the area of sex? How, as the followers of Jesus Christ, how are we doing with allowing Jesus to be on the throne of our lives in the area of sex? Or what about money? 
As followers of Jesus Christ, how are we doing in this area of allowing Jesus to be on the throne of our lives with money or our possessions? A long word, don't worry about it. You know, how many of us, what are we doing with our possessions? Are we allowing Jesus to be on the throne of our lives with all the things that we have? God has a great way of taking care of my possessions. He gave me children. And you know what my children do? They use my possessions. And they come back, and they're not in the same state they were before they took them. Like, what, what, what happened? I don't know. Did, did you do this? No. You know, what about recreation? We got recreation. What about just going and hanging out with the church? Uh, what about family? Uh, what about work? You know, when we start thinking about it, Jesus just doesn't want to come in and say, I'm glad I took care of the salvation thing. Go right ahead and do what you want. What Jesus says is, I want you to experience the glory of the Lord in every area of your life. And you know what? If we look at this and we get discouraged, what are we living by? The Old Covenant. If we sit there and say, yeah, I fail in this area, I fail in this area, or my family, or my recreation, my money. You know what? The law only shows us where we fail. The law never brings life. If you haven't read C.S. Lewis's book called Mere Christianity, I challenge you to read it. Or if you're like me, just go to the last chapter and read it, because that's really the best chapter. But in that chapter, it's... The, the title of the chapter is uh, Christian Behavior. It's really a bad title for it because it's more about your character and the inside of your life. But C.S. Lewis talks about this area of mankind has this way of making things either good or bad. How many of you guys, when you evaluate something, you're like, oh, that's good or that's bad? Anybody do that? You go, this is good or this is bad. Okay, one. Good. Okay. Oh, we, we got some back in the back there. What C.S. Lewis says is that why do we... Why do we Put God in that box and just say something's good or something's bad. You know what? I hear teenagers who are follow, trying to follow Jesus Christ and they see, say things like, I must be a bad Christian. Because they, they don't understand what it means to be transformed from one degree of glory to the next. You see, as we look into that mirror and we see that image, God is changing us into that image one degree at a time. Into His glory. And he doesn't go, well, that's good or that's bad. What he says is most things are pretty neutral. I mean, do we, anybody like to shop? Okay, you, you women over there, you're lying. <laughs> so I'll talk to this side. You know, shopping is neutral. For guys, some of it's the worst, okay? Guys, some of you are like, oh my gosh, shopping. But... But what happens with shopping is that some of you, you're possessed by it. And it takes you down and down and down and you go shopping because you feel empty and you go shopping because you want to feel better. But shopping's a neutral thing. Or what about sex? You know, sex is really a neutral thing. But what happens is that the world has taken it and we have used it and abused it and we tar start taking pictures of people and posting it on things and movies of people and we make it the worst thing possible. 
But here's the challenge for you and me. God is not concerned to make sure that you're not watching bad movies and not shopping. God is concerned that your spirit is being transformed into his glory, his image, one degree at a time. And can I mess with you a little bit? Let's take the area in chapter 13 of Corinthians, the first book of Corinthians, this idea of love. You know, the greatest expression of God is love. So let's forget about sex, let's forget about recreation, let's forget about shopping, let's forget about all the activities we do. Look into our hearts and say, where am I on the scale of loving people? How am I doing? Anybody lose your patience this morning? One kid. Good. Now you guys are lying over here. Love is patient. And what does that mean? Patience is, for those, sometimes patience is, I have the authority to do something and I'm going to hold off on it. For others, patience is the idea of as I'm under something and it's hurtful and I don't know what to do, but I will trust in you, Lord, as you work the things out. That is patience. How are we doing with that? And when you evaluate yourself on this area of just patience alone, we haven't gone to the full extent of love, if you move from bad to neutral, that's a good thing. Because you're moving and making progress to be like the glory of the Lord. Love is patient, love is kind. How many, anybody in here not kind this morning? All right, kids, uh, how many of you guys would say that your parents were not kind this morning? Any hands? Yeah. Oh, I got two right down here. Talk to your mom about that, okay? You know, ladies and gentlemen, I, my hope is that you and I, as we understand this ministry of the Spirit, the Spirit working in us, is that even if we're at our worst, we can still move to worse. Because you don't jump from worst to best in a moment's notice. You know what the best is? The best is when we move on to the next stage and all of us are surrounding God, experiencing the best thing possible. The best is being in His presence and going, I can't believe I'm here. That's the best. So let's say somebody's stuck in the worst. Let's say every time they go shopping, they feel controlled by it. But yet one time they go and they are not controlled by it. They're moving up towards the image and glory of God. Men and women, how are you doing with loving people? Seriously loving people? Love is kind. Love is patient. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It's not easily angered. How are we doing with that? Because that's the glory of the Lord that He wants to express through the body of Christ. That's what He wants to show the world. Now, can I go a little bit deeper with you, please? A couple weeks ago, we talked about the gifts of the Spirit. How many of you guys know what your spiritual gifts are? Okay, some of you. Now, for those of you that don't know what your spiritual gifts are, you're in a good place because really, that's kind of neutral. I don't know. Okay, that's neutral. How do you find out? Well, some people will say, go take a test and write things down. Don't take a test to find out what your spiritual gift is. Just get involved in things. You'll find what God, you know, God's pretty amazing. And then he uses people to show you things about yourself. And when you get involved with other people in a ministry of some sort, you will find out what your gifting is. What's your spiritual gift? If you know what your spiritual gift is and you're not using it, 
I would say you're probably in this worst category. If you know what your spiritual gift is and you say, I don't care, that would be worse than anything possible. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, find it. Because that is the way God wants to use you in the kingdom to bring others into his presence. If you're not loving people, start saying, Lord, please change me so that I love, that I'm patient, that I'm kind, because I'm full of envy, I'm full of boasting, I'm full of keeping a record of wrongs, but I thank you that I'm not condemned. Those who are in Christ are new creations. They are not condemned. How are we doing? This new covenant is amazing because it allows us to remove the veil and say, here I am. I'm messed up. I make mistakes. I don't have it all together. But God is changing me from one degree of glory to the next because His Spirit is in us. If you don't know Jesus, what does that mean? If you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, if you've never received Him into your life, the challenge is, Receive Him. Ask Him to come into your life because He loves you. He delights in you. He wants you to know Him. If you know Jesus, love people. Ask for the Lord to show you your gifts. Get involved in a ministry here. Get involved in a ministry out of here. Some people, we want you gone because you're going to be used better outside. Some of you, we want you here because you're going to be used in God's kingdom here. My friends, Let us stop evaluating each other based on the law. Let us start evaluating each other based upon the glory of the Lord being transformed in our lives from one degree to the next. And if somebody changes just a little bit, we celebrate. We say, yes, God is working. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that it is your delight to work in our lives in such a way to bring yourself glory to change us, to move us, to come to know you. We really do want to know you, Lord. But we're messed up, and you see right through our schemes. Father, there's people here that have still have that veil on. Remove the veil. For the rest of us, move us to be used by you in your kingdom to bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.